But uh, Dr. Mark Smith, I met him first about three years ago in Raleigh. I went to a family conference uh, that our convention was putting on uh, at a big church up there. And he was one of the speakers. He was invited from another church. Then he was a pastor at a local church. Uh, he served in uh, the local church with youth and family ministries for over 20 years. Now he's the senior consultant for family ministries in our convention. Uh, there's some other things you need to know about him. His voice may go in and out uh, because he's an NC State graduate and he might have been sticking it to Florida State all day yesterday. And so uh, if his voice cuts in and out, cut him a little bit of slack. Um, all of you UNC fans look like you're not coming back next week or uh, coming back in the next few days. But anyways, um, he did graduate from NC State and then graduated from Southeastern and then got his doctorate from Liberty University. He and his wife, Sherry, are here today. They have four children. And uh, I'd like to pray for him right now. And then I'm going to invite Mark to come up and share what the Lord has laid on his heart. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you again for your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for uh, the families that you've given each of us. Father, we pray that you would help each of us uh, to be a beacon of hope and light in our families. Father, I pray that we would indeed be able to uh, put into practice the things that Mark is going to teach and preach about. And Father, I pray that, uh, that revival would indeed start in our homes and then trickle into the church. And so, Father, we pray that you would indeed uh, bring the fires of revival and we pray that you would start with us. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, brother. Good morning. Oh, it's such a delight to be with you this morning. Thank you so very much, Bobby, for allowing me just to come and be a part of your church for the week. And I'm so glad that you were here this morning. So I'd like for you to take your Bibles, turn to the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we will uh, do some uh, study as we walk through that particular passage. As Bobby mentioned a little while ago, uh, we have four children. Let me kind of define my terms with that. Here's our family. Uh, you see the young lady in white. That's our daughter, Abby. She was she and her husband have been married uh, for a little over four years now, and uh, uh, they live in the Hickory area. Uh, that's her husband there it's in, in the center of that picture. Her, his name is Justice. Justice and Abby Rao, and they are expecting our first grandchild. So we are so, so pumped about that. We cannot wait to see what God does with that. And then you see to um, to your right, uh, excuse me, to your left over here, that's our son. Uh, his name is Adam, and he is in the world's greatest Air Force. He is the stationed out in Nebraska. Yes, sir. And uh, he and his wife, that's her on on his right. Uh, they've been living out there for about four years as well. Our Both of our children, Abby and Adam, they got married in the same summer. And so we had a very busy year that year. But then they married these two wonderful people. And so we have made them our family. So that's why he said we have four children. That's, that, that's our two biological and then our two that married into our family. We are so delighted to have them. And uh, her name is uh, Ashlyn. And Adam and Ashlyn have been uh, serving out in the... Uh, uh, in the Nebraska area, in their local church, Justice and, and our daughter Abby, they are actually pastor. Or, or Justice is a pastor of a local church in Hickory. So we're just delighted that uh, God is using them in some incredible ways, not just only in the workforce area, but also in the ministry. So we're just praising God for all that. You've got your Bible this morning, and there in chapter six of Deuteronomy. 
let's, let's kind of walk through this particular passage. I'll read through it from the NIV version, and then we'll walk through it again a little more slowly in a little more systematic fashion so that we really pull out what God's Word is trying to teach us this morning. So take your Bibles and let's look at verse number 1. The Bible says, These are the commands, the decrees, the laws the Lord our God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all the decrees, commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy, look at that, so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that you, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly. Notice that word, increase greatly in the land. Flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of our fathers, promised you. Hear, O Israel, verse number four, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands that I give you today, they are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you go down the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and on, bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. Verse number 10. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Listen to this. It says, it says to give you. It's an inheritance that he was wanting to give them. A large, a, a land with large flourishing cities that you did not build. Houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. Wells you did not dig. The vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God. Serve Him only and take your oaths in His name. Do not follow our other gods, the gods of the peoples among you. For the Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous God. And his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. And so, God, we ask this morning that you speak. You speak clearly. Lord, allow your Holy Spirit, the author of these words that we get a chance to hold in our hands today. God, allow your Holy Spirit to be our teacher. And God, allow us to be excellent listeners, excellent students, but God, even better doers of your word. Lord, allow us to hear what you've got to say. And God, give us the privilege of acting on what you teach us. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. There again, as we see back in verse number one, we see that the family is something that is so dear and incredibly important to God in his heart. Matter of fact, it's the very first institution that God created. But all the way back in the book of Genesis, chapter one, two, and three, we see how God used the family in some incredible ways. But then, of course, in chapter three, in not so incredible ways. But God has a plan. And God is full of grace. He is abundant with, with that mercy and grace that we so desperately need. Because the very first family that he, be, that he started, they didn't get things right either. 
Matter of fact, as you read all through the book of Genesis, there's a lot of families who didn't get it right. One of the mentioned, one of the names just mentioned there was Abraham. We could look at him and just say, well, you know, you did a wonderful thing, but what was one thing that he had a little bit of a problem with? He didn't quite tell the truth sometime. And that actually passed right on down to his son Isaac. And then we get into the whole, uh, whole area of Jacob. And there's multiple chapters in the book of Genesis talking about that fella. And boy, was that a dysfunctional family or what? And so I think God allows us to read these stories and understand these things so that we can identify with the fact that nobody's perfect. But yet God in his infinite ability and wisdom, he says, but my grace is sufficient my word is sufficient and when he when he's allowing these israelites to stand there right on the brink they're right there standing right there just getting ready to walk into the promised land moses gives them some strategic instruction and he's lined them up and he's he's preaching to them he's helping them understand look if this thing's going to work according to god's way we've got to do it according to god's way And that's what we get a chance to read this morning. So here's what I want us to see very first off is the vision that God has for the family. Notice what it says back in verse number one. It says, these commands, decrees, the laws, the Lord your God directed me to teach you. Moses was the teacher. He was the one instructing these Israelites. He was saying, I'm I'm teaching you to observe them in this land that you're getting ready to go in. This is crucial. This is critical. And why? Look at what the Bible says. It says that with this, so that in verse number, uh, in the rest of verse number one, it says, in that land that you're crossing into the Jordan to possess. This, this land that, that the, that the Israelites were getting ready to possess, it was a promise from God. Notice what the Bible says in Genesis 13 verses 14 through 15. See at the Bible, it says, the Lord said to Abram, it says, after Lot had parted with him, it says, look around you, God told Abram. Look around you, look all over the place. Look at the north, the south, the east, and the west. Look everywhere. All the land that you see, I'm giving it to you. And not only just to you, to all your offspring. And not just to your offspring, Isaac, but to all your offspring forever. And so this land, this precious place that God has, is bringing them to, he has had this from the beginning. And now here, here they are. The Israelites are getting ready to walk into the vision that God has been casting for such a long time. Notice what it says in verse number 2. It says, so that you, he's talking to all the people standing right there. And then you notice who he says, your children. That, that next generation. Those children that that the fathers are standing there holding the hands of their children as they're listening to Moses preach, as they're listening to these instructions. He says, this message, this land is for you. And it's also for those people that you've been entrusted with. Those precious souls that God has allowed to be in your tents. That's the people that he says, this is all for you. And then notice it says one more thing. And their children. Now we're talking grandchildren and great-grandchildren. So we're talking about generational, where this is supposed to go on from one generation to the next generation to the next generation because God has a plan. His vision is for the world to be made known of who He is. And He's doing that through these very special people called the Israelites. Matter of fact, the Bible calls them a peculiar people. 
Bible calls us peculiar people as being descendants of Jesus Christ. We're a strange people. We're a people not of this land. Our land is in, is in heaven. Our home is in heaven. But yet while we are sojourning here, God desires to use us to not only allow this opportunity for, for having a relationship with him, but for that relationship to spill out into our families, into our children and our grandchildren. And so go, what does he say from there on? Look at what he says. He says, it says, after them that they may fear the Lord your God. That's respect for the Lord. As long as you live by keeping all the decrees and the commands that I give you. So that it may, so that you may enjoy long life. And notice that word life. That's not just life here in, 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 in the nasty now and now. That's life for eternity. And this is the type of life that God desires. That's his vision for all of us. That we all become followers of his son, Jesus Christ. That we all make our, put our faith and our trust. That we make our decision to say, I am a follower of Christ and I surrender to you, Lord. That is his life that he has for each of us. But it's all based on a decision that you and I make. And so what God says from there. He says, hear, O Israel. He says, listen up, Israel. He says, be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, so that you may increase greatly in the land, flowing with milk and honey. What's that word, milk and honey? Have you ever thought about this? In this land, flowing with milk and honey. Now, remember where these people had just come from. These people had just come from the desert. They've been living in the desert for 40, count them, 40 years. And this desert dwelling, as you can imagine, a bunch of rocks, a bunch of sand, a bunch of single-colored, and maybe every once in a while they might see just a little bit of green. But this was their this was their lifestyle. And now God is saying, no, this is a land flowing with milk and honey. Does that mean that there's white rivers and kind of goldish rivers flowing right, right down in front of them? Well, not exactly, no. What that literally means is it's figurative. And see, one thing we have to understand whenever we, whenever we read God's word, these people were Eastern-minded thinking. These, these ancient people that, that Moses was writing, uh, writing uh, he had written right here and that Moses was speaking to, even Moses himself, they had very concrete thoughts in their mind. And here's what I'm talking about. See, they would, they would hear a word and immediately get a picture in their mind. Here, let me give you a case in point. Here, fill in this blank for me. God is blank. Okay, you ready? God is, what do you think, Jonathan? God is, God is great. Absolutely. Bobby, what do you think? God is, God is love. Absolutely. And see, that's exactly how we as Western people, that's exactly how we answer. I, and, and you know what? It's exactly right, though. It's perfectly right. But also, although the Eastern mindset, they think a little differently. If I were to ask an Eastern mindset, an ancient person, and say, God is blank, you know what they might say? God is a rock. God is my shepherd. God's my strong tower. Now, both these answers, all, 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 both sets of these answers are exactly right. But you have to understand that these Eastern mindset people, they think in pictures. As, and, and case in point, just read the book of Psalm. That's how they think. And so when Moses says this is a land flowing with milk and honey, what he's talking about simply is this. The, 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 the milk that comes from those cows... They have to eat green grass, and that green grass has to be watered by, by the heavens from above, and those, that, that water that has to hit those, hit, hit, hit the ground, that, that, and that ground has to be soil that will actually, actually produce that type of crop so that that cow can come and eat that grass and then produce that white milk. 
Same thing with the, with the honey. Bees have to go and fly around into those, into those fields where the flowers are. And the flowers have to be planted in soil that can actually produce that type of, 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 of a plant. And that plant will, will kind of sprout up and produce a flower. And that bee comes and then he comes and, and gets the nectar and then he produces what? Honey. And so what we're seeing here is a beautiful picture of how God has given them a land that will be able to produce crops. Giving them a beautiful place where he is going to be the one to send the rains in time of need. He's given them a place where the soil is good and ready to, to, to be able to plant and harvest the things that they need to survive. God is going to be the one who provides all of these things and he's done it right here in the place called the promised land. That's God's vision for his family, the Israelites. Now, kind of take a little, little little asterisk here. Let's just kind of put a little pause button on this just for one second. <clears throat> These Israelites, you know that they were kind of a stiff-necked kind of people. You, you, you remember you know, reading in Scripture about how, how, how they're kind of, how they're a little bit of a, of a prodigal. Anybody got prodigals? Don't raise your hand, but anybody got prodigals in your, in your household, in your family? Rest assured, God understands. Because none of us have a, a perfect family. And God, in, in all his wisdom, these people, these people, he loved them. He loved them dearly and he gave grace. And he shows us how we're to love the prodigal. But he's giving. And he's giving and he, he, he knows what the future is going to be. And yet he's still saying, I choose you. Because I'm going to make my name great through you as a people. But he doesn't stop there. Look at what he says in verse number, uh, verse number four. This, this is called the Shema. Notice what it says. Hear, O Israel. Actually, the word here literally is the word Shema. And what it means is, let me get your attention. Listen up. Got something really important I need you to tell you. Notice what it says. It says, it says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Some translations may say might. And that word love, we need to make sure we understand what that word literally means. If we were to translate that into into like a Greek word, it's the word agape. And what do we know the word agape means? It's unconditional love. There is not only but one God. And he says that in verse 4. Verse 5, he says, then that one God, you love him with what? Everything you've got with your heart. That's the seat of your emotion. With your soul. That's with the, the aspect of that there's eternity involved in your soul. Because that's, that's your entire being, your entire makeup. And then he says, with all your might. That means with the talents that he's given you, that he's entrusted you with. That means with all the resources that he's entrusted you with. That means with your job, with your children, with your, with your home, with your spouse, everything that he has entrusted you with, we are to love him back. Not to love those things over him, but to love him through those things. And we're to love him with everything we've got. We're to hold absolutely nothing back because this is a covenant kind of love it's the same type of covenant love you made with your spouse it's the it's one of those type of love that god comes to us and says look i am i am with you forever and i will never turn my back on you 
And that's the same type of love he wants us to reciprocate right back to him. That we will turn to him and never turn back into that darkness of our, of our old life. Or of putting on that old self. That we will be that new creation that God has created us to be. And he desires for us to love him with everything. And then notice what it says in verse number 6. He says, these commands that I give you today. All these things I've been teaching you. All these laws, all these decrees, all this stuff. In order so that you can be holy before God, they're to be upon your hearts. It should be what makes you get up in the morning. It should be the first thoughts in your mind. It should be what uh, helps you navigate through each situation. It helps you be able to take all the circumstances in your life and filter them through God's word. Because all these words should be in your heart. You should have hidden them in your heart so that you may not sin against God. And he desires for us to to just allow our lives to be totally surrendered to him. And God says right there and then in verse number 7. As Moses is talking to the entire group of of the the Israelites. He's talking to everybody with their backs at the desert and their faces facing the promised land. He's talking to this whole group of people. And then he narrows his focus in verse number 7 into one group of people. Because notice what he says. It says, impress them on your children. Now he's talking to parents. Now he's, I'll even say slash, he's talking to grandparents. He's talking to people who, are, who have been entrusted with these precious souls, these precious children that he is, has, has given you as a gift. And he says, all these things that, that you're living your life by, the love that you have for me, and the way that you're taking God's word and you're or putting it into your life and you're doing it with, with authenticity... That's what you need to impress on your children. And how do you do it? Well, it's simple. You talk to them. You talk about them. When? Well, where, where, where and when? Well, when you sit at home. That's, that's the time that God says, hey, when you're sitting in your home, take off the, turn off the TV just for a little while. Take the devices. Oh, I'm, I'm meddling. And go, go put them on a counter somewhere. <laughs> and just have a time of conversation. Oh, well, we're never home. Well, you know what? God saw you coming. See, because the next part of this verse says, says, says for those who are so busy in your, in your life, it says, says not only talk about them when you sit at home, but when you go down the road. And so when God says when you go down the road, that means you turn off that radio and you take the earbuds out and you have conversation. And you allow that conversation to just permeate into that, that 10, 15 square foot space we called an automobile. And you allow God's word that is already embedded in you. Wait on opportunities for the Holy Spirit to give you to talk about the Lord. And so you talk about him when you sit at home, when you go down the road, or better yet, when you lie down. And when you lie down, when you're there right before our bed, right before bedtime, that was always our time, mine and Sherry's time with Abby and Adam. That was our time that we tried to set aside as many nights as we possibly could to sit down with God's word and we allowed God's word to speak into all of our lives. And we prayed and thanked God for what he had been talking to us and what he had blessed us with and for the prayer requests. And then it was bedtime. I mean, that took every bit of five minutes. It can be done. And notice what he says after that. It says when you sit at home, when you go down the road, when you lie down. Hey, when you get up, some of us are very wonderful at being morning people. About half my house is, well, actually when, when my children lived at my house, I was the only morning person. Now only half of us are morning people at my house now. <laughs> and so here we are. We talk about the Lord when we get up. 
But that just, but that just goes to say that we are to take opportunity to talk about the Lord. And what, what he really is trying to help, help us to understand is something kind of simple. Talking about the Lord should be in the natural rhythm of your day. And the natural, just, it just, it just should come up. And so what he's trying to really teach us is that we should take opportunity when the Holy Spirit prompts us, when we have that, that chance to talk about the Lord with our children, with our grandchildren. And when we do that, God's word begins to permeate out of us and into these very people that God has entrusted us with. And then notice what he says in, in this particular verse right here. Notice what he says in Proverbs 22.6. Says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. God's got a promise in that verse, and it's up to us as followers of Jesus Christ to strive to live for the Lord, to let our to let our lives be be just saturated with God's word. For us to be meditating on God's word, to us be internalizing God's word, for us to be talking about God's word. For us to then take that, that word that he's, he's been teaching us, but then to do it with integrity. To be able to take God's word with that, we, that, he's, that he's churning inside of us and that we're living out. Then we're to be a natural, intentional teacher of God's word. And when, when we do that, God can do all sorts of things. But it depends on our decision. What will we do with this plan that God is, has for his family. This was the plan that he had laid out for the Israelites. This is how we're going to take it from, next, from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. Because I'm going to make my name great through all of the earth, the Lord said. And I'm going to do it through these people in this promised land. But then, notice what goes on next here in verse 10. Because here we see a warning for each family. By the Lord. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he, he promised to give it to you. A land with large flourishing cities that you didn't build. Notice that. These are, these are cities that they had absolutely, they were, they were just going to inherit. They were, they were going to belong to them now. Cities you didn't build, houses filled with all kinds of good things that you didn't provide, wells you didn't dig, vineyards and olive groves you didn't plant. And notice that for us for a second. Can you just imagine that dad as he's listening to Moses talking about all these houses and these buildings and, and all these, these things filled up with, with all the things that they didn't provide, this, you know, these wells and these vineyards and all that? Can you just imagine that, that little child looking up at his daddy and tugging on his hand saying, Daddy... What's a house? Because <laughs> they had no idea. They had been nomads in the desert for 40 years. These little children knew nothing of what cities were like. They knew nothing of how to, what it meant to live in a house. Can you just imagine what, what this, what this, the, 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 just the, what would burst on these children's minds in hearing what this land was going to be about? This was going to be glorious and God was going to be their provider to give it to them. And then notice what he says right here in the last part of this verse. It says, and when you eat and are satisfied. Put your finger on that word satisfied for just a minute. You ever been to your favorite restaurant? You know that restaurant that you just love to go to, but then at the same time you're kind of always just a little hesitant 
Because you know when you get there, you're going to eat. And, and then you're going to eat a little more. <laughs> and then you're going to eat a little too much. Uh, my wife and I, we got a chance to enjoy one of the places kind of nearby here called the Hitchin' Posts last night. We, you know, anybody ever been there? Uh-huh, yeah. The buffet is phenomenal. And the sweet tea is even better. But when you walk out of that place, what do you feel like? You're kind of walking out sort of like this because you have, you've eaten so much and, and, and you're just stuffed and it just takes you a while to sort of get all this stuff going through you for a while. That's what this word literally means. The word, the Hebrew word is savah. And what Moses was warning them about is this. When you eat all these things that you didn't have to have to plant, you didn't have to dig these wells, you didn't have to do any of this stuff to get this stuff on your plate. When you eat and are satisfied, he says, look at what he says. He gives us a warning. Verse 12, he says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord. How could you possibly forget? Did they forget? Can we forget? Can we really forget how good the Lord is? Can, can we fall into this same type of trap? The children of Israel did. Matter of fact, God kind of goes on from here and, and gives them a bit of a warning. Because notice what he says. He says in verse 13, he says, Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths only in his name. Do not follow the other little g gods. Notice that. The gods of the people around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God. And his anger will burn against you. And he will destroy you from the face of the land. God was good to his promise, wasn't he? Because eventually, these children of Israel, they slowly pulled away from learning about the Lord. Eventually, and tonight, I'm going to talk a lot more about that here in, in, the, in the worship service. Talking about how this warning even, even actually got fleshed out. But notice what happened over, over decades, over, over generations of time. People kept getting further and further and further away from the Lord. And look what happened. This happened to the northern kingdom in 2 Kings chapter 17. It says the Lord removed them from his presence. Took them out of the promised land. Because they were following these other little g-gods. Because they had intermarried and God told them not to. Because they had, they had followed the ways of the Baals and the Asherah poles and the Moloch's. Here's for the, here's for the southern kingdom. King Nebuchadnezzar, he carried all of Jerusalem into exile. So was God, did he own up to what he said he would do? He certainly did. God is a promise keeper. And God kept this promise saying, if you don't follow me, what does he say? He says, I will destroy you from the face of the land. And that's exactly what happened. But it was all because of his grace that he restored them. All because of this grace, because he knew that they would fail. He knows that we will fail. But his grace is sufficient. But what are we striving for? What are we striving to do? Because God has a plan and God has a vision for our families as well. And my question simply to you this morning is, what is that fam- What is that vision? What is that plan that God's got for your family? Well, you find it right here in the text. It's to impress, the, impress God's word in your heart and then on the hearts of your children. But let me kind of close by talking about this question. What will lead us, and I'm talking all accumulative here, What will lead us to God's vision and plan for our families? It's kind of simple. Let me just share this a little bit with you. We could kind of be sitting in here and we could say, okay, I I, I hear what you're saying, Mark. 
yeah, I, I get this. I got you. I, I, I hear. I'm, I'm listening to what you say. And you could just kind of leave it right there and walk on out. Or you could maybe, I, I, I hear you, Mark, and I understand what you're trying to teach me here. I get a little bit of this, and I'm kind of interested, but you know what? I'm, I'm just kind of set my ways, and I'm just not going to go that way. I, I, I just, I kind of do my faith my way, and that's it. And you could walk on out the door. More, perhaps you're, you know, you hear what I say, and you're understanding, and you know what? You're even moved. It, it, it makes sense to you. You, you get it, but it's just that something is holding you back from taking that next step. And that's the thing that you need to be asking the question. What is it that's holding you back from that next step? That should be the biggest question on your heart right now. What is it? What is the it that's holding me back from having God's vision and God's plan for my family? Because you could go on down to this fourth component. And say, Mark, I hear you. Mark, I'm understanding what God's saying. I'm moved by what God's saying. As a matter of fact, I surrender to what God's saying. Now, notice I didn't say I'm going to be committed to what God's saying. Let me give you a simple example of what the difference between the word committed and surrender is. See, committed is something like this. you got a document. Let's say you're going to buy a car. You're going to buy a car for the next 60 months. The next five years, you're going to buy this car. And you're going to pay $300 for this car for the next five years. And you're going, to, you're going to take this document that says that you owe this $300 for the next five years, next 60 months. We're going to give you a little booklet. And here you go, right down here on the bottom, sign your name. And you're committed to pay for that car for the next five years, 60 months, $300, right? Now let me ask you a simple question. Would you pay 61 months? Would you pay an extra $300? For, for, for that car, after you've already, after you've already kind of, kind of completed this commitment of this, of this document, would you pay another, well, you know, I just like the bank so good. I just thought y'all were so great. I'm just going to give you another $100, a $300 check. Would you do that? Well, of course not. Never would we do that. When we're done with that last payment, we're done, right? However, surrender takes a blank sheet of paper and says, Lord, Whatever you say, I'll do. As a matter of fact, Lord, I'll take my pen and I'll sign the bottom of this blank piece of paper and God, you fill in. You fill in the blanks because I surrender no matter what. And there's where I hope you are today. There's where I hope you're ready to hear God's voice and to know that God's got a wonderful, wonderful vision for your family, a wonderful plan for your family. And it takes you digging into God's word for you first to be a learner of God's word and then to be a, a, an authentic doer of God's word. But then you've got to teach it. And you've got to be intentional with that teaching. And we're going to talk very intentional tonight about how to teach these things in our homes. I just love this 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 morning when uh, when Jonathan was sitting here and and these very obedient children were sitting here and they weren't eating their candy until they were told to and they were very satisfied with the fact that they had them in their hand and that was it they were content so I already see the the effects of what you're already doing in these children's lives but we can do more and I invite you to come back and be a part of that this evening because here's what I'd like to really leave you with just a little bit of a homework before this evening. Because I hope God's word has spoken to you very clearly. As you drive home, 
when you're sitting at home this afternoon, maybe watching a ball game, maybe just taking your nap, or before bed tonight, whichever, that's three of the four, right? Ask this question. What is, new, what is a new way we can pass down our spiritual legacy to the next generation? What's a new way? What's a way that you're already doing? Maybe you can add to it in such a way. You know, maybe perhaps you're already having, having a, a, a blessing at every single meal. Well, maybe perhaps you, you kind of expand on that. Maybe you're already having a, a devotion time once a week. Maybe you can expand on that. Or maybe there's some things that you're trying to, trying to kind of get figured out and sort of, sort of jockey into the busy week that you already have. Well, then come tonight and we'll talk a little more about that specifically. Because this isn't just for parents. This is for grandparents in particular too. Because God desires for the next generation to know who he is. And as we saw in the pages of scripture, the Israelites didn't do so well. But you know what? We have the opportunity to do well. And it's all going to be based on God's word. So what is a new way you can pass down to the, to, the, to the next generation that spiritual legacy. Well, something, talk to your spouse about this as you drive home, as you sit there for lunch, as, and maybe even before bed. Before you come tonight, perhaps, just talk about it and just say, how can we intentionally engage our children, our grandchildren, our nieces, our nephews, because they're the next generation. And God has placed you in their life strategically intentionally so that you can do just that let me ask you a simple last question has god spoken to you this morning could i just see your hand just for a second has god said something to you this morning has he spoken amen 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 well as i close and as jonathan you come up and and as he's getting ready to lead us in our invitation hymn as bobby's going to come and stand here before you i invite you to come to this altar because if god has spoken then he desires for us to, to, to surrender to that, that, that voice that you just heard. He desires for us just not to hear it and understand it and to be moved. He desires for us to take it all in and to surrender. So I invite you to the front bench here or right here at this altar. But Bobby's going to be standing right here right after I pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. And God, we thank you so much for your word. So God, I pray this morning that you would allow us the grace To surrender. Lord, our, our lives need it. Our families need it. Our, the next generations need it. So Lord, your Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit will move us. And God, that you would be the one glorified through it. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand this morning? Our hymn of invitation this morning. <clears throat> Number 359. <clears throat> You can remain standing just for a minute. I want to encourage you to come back tonight at 6 o'clock and eat with us. Uh, come back and uh, eat with us if you've signed up to eat with us, right? We want to make sure we have enough food. There's a sign-up sheet right down here in the front. Uh, you can sign up for how many nights you plan on being here. And then at 6.30, I hope you'll come also and hear what uh, Brother Mark has to share with us. Men, I want to encourage you especially to come and be here. Uh, your family rises and falls with you. Uh, it's true. They say, so goes the man, so goes the family, so goes the church. And, um, and in our society, none of those things are real strong. 
And so we need men who will be the men that God's called them to be. Uh, Brother Mark's going to share a lot of practical things for us men to share with our families. And I uh, just want to remind you men, no matter how old your kids are, uh, whenever the chips are down, it's you, generally speaking, that they call at, at some point or another. And so as, the, uh, as a man of a family, you never lose your influence. And your, kid, your kids will always look to you uh, at some point or another for you to, to be the rock they can fall back on. And so I just want to encourage you to be here and, uh, and, and see what God has in store for us. I am looking forward to it. And so I'm going to ask uh, Dr. Tarkington if you would close us in prayer. And after he closes in prayer, don't forget to sign up for meals. And then uh, Brother Mark is going to be down here in front with me if you'd like to speak with him on your way out.